You may be seated, church. I knew the pagans, I mean Carolina fans, would show up at this service. A lot of baby, I mean Sissy Blue out there in that crowd today. No, on a serious note, congratulations. Congratulations. If you watched that game, you watched one of the greatest basketball games in the history of college basketball. It was a slugfest. And... Um, uh, kudos to the hills. Now listen, listen, Duke fans. This is what you do. I don't say this often, but Paul would say in the New Testament, he'd say, follow my example. Follow my example here. This is what you do. You swallow your pride. You give credit where credit is due. And you pull for the hills tomorrow night against Kansas. Why you wanna go pulling for Kansas? You ain't in Kansas anymore. Don't go pulling for Kansas. Pull for the North Carolina team. Now, you Tar Heels, if the shoe was on the other foot, you wouldn't do that because you're a bunch of haters. But, <laughs> anywho. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. My name is Benji. If you're a guest around here, I'm one of the pastors here and just so honored that you would spend today with us. I just wanna echo just a few words that Abby shared. Um, Good Friday, uh, that, that is the Friday right before Easter. We're gonna go to the cross together. We're gonna have Holy Communion, by far one of the most powerful celebrations that we have here. We haven't had a Good Friday service in a few years, so I really encourage you to do that. It, it, it's not that good to go from Palm Sunday to Easter because you just bounce like a bunny up to church on Easter, but you miss the cross. So Good Friday is key, and uh, we'll have Holy Communion. And then on Easter Sunday, she already mentioned this, but you know all those folks that got saved last week, but some of you are here, and you were already saved, but you've never had a meaningful baptism celebration. Easter Sunday, we're gonna be baptizing people after all the services, and I get this question a lot. And by the way, take out your phone if you want to and just scan that in. That's how you register for baptism. But we have a sunrise service that's over here in the parking lot. It's beautiful. We get to worship. The sun comes over the trees. We, we try to time it just right. And I uh, really want to encourage you to come to that. But here's a question that we get often. If I go to the sunrise service, can I come to the other services that are in the worship center? And the answer is not only emphatically yes, but I would actually encourage you to do that because the sunrise service is very scaled down. It's all about worshiping outside. It's very different. The services in here will be very different than that. So if you would like, please do both. So I wanna ask you a question. Um, when was the time in your life when you were most thirsty? Can you recall one? Like when you were like, you were so thirsty. I can remember I was 14 years old. Grew up in South Carolina. It was like the dog days of summer. I think it was around August. And man, we had been out all day long. And the way we rolled back then, cut off jeans, no shirt, no shoes. That's how we rolled. All day long. Hadn't, hadn't had anything to drink. 14 years old, towards the end of the day. I mean, we'd been out in the heat all day long. I ran inside the house, opened up the, the refrigerator, hallelujah, and went in for the gallon of milk. I know, that I love cold milk. Still to this day, I love cold milk. So I grabbed the gallon of milk, opened up the top, and chugged it. Don't you judge me. 
Why did we do that? Like I always used to, used to think, why get a cup? And I'm chugging this, this milk that I'm anticipating to be refreshing and cold. And about three or four swigs in, I realize it is nasty. It had not only, you know, you know sometimes milk's kind of on the border. You ever go in there, you give it the, the smell test? Oh, I think that'll work in my cereal. And you go for it and you're okay, you're okay. No, no, it wasn't anywhere. This, this stuff had started to coagulate. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was, I got a chunk in my mouth, dude. It was nasty. And so like I spit it out all over the sink. Mom got mad at me. She always tells me don't chug out of the gallon. She got mad at me for doing that. Why in the world did I go for the milk instead of fixing a nice large glass of ice cold water? Because we as human beings, we have this tendency, do we not, to sometimes go for the things that we think will quench our thirst, when in reality, there is only one thing that can quench our thirst. And that is my theme today. If you were here last week, you know that my good friend, Pastor Clayton King, preached a phenomenal message titled Testify. And what he did was he talked to us as a church about Testify, but primarily it was about you sitting here. And as a result, you already heard the news. 65 people gave their lives to Christ last week. Praise his holy name. But the Spirit of God has led me to continue with that same theme today, testify. But I want to actually teach the message on behalf of the person who is not even here yet. And I'm not talking about those of you who are online. We are so glad you are here. But I'm talking about the people who are not even engaged in New Hope Church yet. People that you rub shoulders with, your neighbors, your colleagues, maybe some family members. And I want to talk to you about this theme of testify. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. While you're turning there, let me just, um, let me just talk to you a little bit about the gospel of John. I'd encourage you to read the Gospel of John. It's a great time of the year going into Easter to read the Gospel of John. John's Gospel, and by the way, this is the same John that wrote the book of Revelation that Clayton preached from last week. He was just much older then. This is a younger John. And in John's Gospel, if you really want to understand John's Gospel, you basically come to realize that the Gospel of John can be broken down into different sections. Let me show you what I mean. And so the sections that you will find in John's gospel can be broken down based upon the signs that you find in John's gospel. So whenever you come across a part in John's gospel where the Bible says this was a sign, it's kind of a new part of John's gospel. And the signs are pr found primarily in John 1:19 through 12:50. Now this is really really important. The signs in John's gospel are metaphors and the metaphors are there to put on display God's glory. To put on display what, church? God's glory. And here are some of the metaphors. They're the I am statements. Jesus makes these throughout the Gospel of John. He says, I am the what? Bread of life. I am the living water. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. Glory to God. We'll celebrate that in two weeks on Easter. I am the, you know this one, the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Today, what I want to talk to you about is this concept 
this theme of Jesus as the living water. John chapter 7, if you love the word of the Lord, let me hear you say amen. You are with me today, church. You can study it later. It's 52 verses. We're not going to read all 52 verses. I'm just going to read the first seven or eight, then I'll say a few words, and then I'll skip down to verse 37 and read a few verses, and then we will unpack this. John 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to what? Kill him. He's got his eyes on the cross. He's going to the cross for you and for me and every single living, breathing person that would ever grace planet earth. He's going to die. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles, if you got your Bible, you go old school on a pen, circle that phrase, festival of tabernacles. I will come back to that in a little bit. When that was near, Jesus's brother said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one wants to become a public figure, acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Verse 6. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I what? Because I, there it is. Because I testify, that's our theme the last two weeks, that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. I don't know if Jesus kind of needed some alone time. You see that in the Gospels a lot because he'd often just go to the, to the mountains by himself or he'd get on the Sea of Galilee and he'd leave the crowd. But it's one of those situations. They want him to go. He said, no, 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 my time has not yet come. You go, so Jesus is alone, and they're at this, this festival of the tabernacles. Skip down to verse 37. On the last <laughs> and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. So he went and spent time on his own, the last and the, and the, and the climax of the festival. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let Anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, rivers of, help me out church, rivers of what? Living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he is what? He is the Messiah. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Give me some feedback today. What are some characteristics or qualities of water that, that you appreciate? What are, what are some characteristics or qualities of water? Come on. It's clear. Okay. Huh? It's refreshing. Water is refreshing. What else? Pure. Pure. What else? Cleansing. Water is cleansing. Somebody else say something over here. It keeps you alive. Without water, you die. Right? 
So all of those things that you just said, and we could continue on, but those are the big ones. Jesus is saying, I'm those things. Tap into me and I will cleanse you. Tap into me and I will give you life. Jesus is the living water. Tap into me and I will refresh your soul. Now, I don't know if you have realized this or not, but if you just talk to people, people are more thirsty for God today than they've ever been before. Like, listen, I've been following Christ, I don't know, good Lord, how how long now? 32 years or something like that, maybe a little bit longer than that. Like, I have never seen people as thirsty as they are for Jesus Christ than they are today. There's just a real thirst for the goodness of God. And I also don't know if you realize this or not, maybe you've been there. Many people are trying to fill that thirst with other things that will not satisfy. Come on, give me a show of hands if you are guilty. I'll raise both my hands multiple times. Give me, give me a show of hands if you're guilty of trying to find cleansing or purpose or fulfillment or peace or happiness or joy in the things of this world to which you have finally come to the conclusion that the ultimate source of purpose, joy, hope, happiness is Jesus Christ. Come on, let me see your hands if that's you. See, it's all over this place. Now, here's what you need to know. There are people out there, hundreds of thousands of people Actually, a million or so people, when you factor in Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill, a couple million, who are thirsting for that which only Jesus Christ can satisfy. And the church is the only organization in the world that exists for the person who is not here yet. And yet, people keep trying, do they not, to find fulfillment to find forgiveness of sins, to find purpose, to find hope in things other than God. You know this to be true as much as I do because you've been there and bought the t-shirt. Blaise Pascal was a French philosopher and mathematician who I believe had the greatest quote of all time about this very subject. He said this. In fact, why don't we read it out loud together? There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every human being which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God through Jesus Christ. Let the church say amen. Yeah, praise his name. Jesus says, I am the living water. And you... And every person you will ever lock eyes with has a God-shaped vacuum inside their soul that they can try to fill with all the things of this world. But there is only one who will fill those deepest desires. His name is Jesus. And he referred to himself as living water. Let's take our minds off of basketball for a moment. Let the Duke fans say thanks be to God. And let's talk about football. Troy Aikman was a three-time Super Bowl uh, champion for the Dallas Cowboys. Unbelievable quarterback. He's a commentator now, great guy. Um, Troy Aikman, after winning his first Super Bowl, Uh, went out for a little bit as the story goes. He tells this later in an interview, but ended up uh, in the wee hours of that morning after Super Bowl Sunday, so the wee hours of Monday morning, 
He ended up in a kind of penthouse, bougie kind of place. Of course, he's a Super Bowl champion, right? And he's by himself, and he's reflecting on this dream that he's had his entire life to get to the Super Bowl and win it. And he says, is this all there is to it? He had reached the pinnacle of his dreams and his goals, and at the end of the day, it was still found wanting. And he had this gnawing, this deep yearning inside of his soul that said, there has to be more. In that interview that I mentioned later on, he, he unpacked that a little bit more, and he said this. He said, I'll never forget when I was 12 years old, the quarterback said, I couldn't wait until the day I was 16 and I could drive a car. You remember that? My son Joshua was 16 years old. He just got his first car. Man, you get your first car and you're like, woohoo! He continues, I thought that'd be the end of life's problems. <laughs> He had a lot to learn. He said, he said, I mean, I can drive now. What is there left in life? Then he turned 16 and realized there were still problems. He continues, well, I kind of said the same thing after my first Super Bowl. You think once you win it, all your problems are solved professionally. But I've won two now, and it hasn't solved a thing. Not one thing. You want to hear something really cool about this, this Feast of Tabernacles? I told you I'd come back to this. In first century Palestine, this was an annual feast that they had. It was a big deal. And people came from all over the Palestinian world to this, this Feast of Tabernacles. It was an annual deal where they gathered, and usually because it's a very dry part of the world, usually they, they prayed, the whole purpose of the feast was to pray and ask God for rain. If it happened to be a rainy year, then they would thank God for the rain. But usually, again, they're asking God for rain. You get the context? It's in this feast setting that Jesus shows up, and he knows the whole deal is around water. And he stands up on the very last day, the final celebration of this feast, and he says, I, I am the living water. You shall look no farther. Come to me and let me refresh your soul. Let me cleanse you. Let me wash over you. Good metaphor for baptism in a few weeks. Let me wash over you. You need to look no farther than me, the living water of God. You can actually trace this theme throughout the Bible in Isaiah 55.1. Out loud, you read the last really well, let's go. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat, come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost. I seem to recall there was this woman in John's gospel. Do you remember her? John chapter four, the Samaritan woman, remember? Let's continue, go. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to what, church? To eternal life. You know, it's crazy. 
If you get thirsty enough, and this is what I think we're seeing in our culture today like never before, if you get thirsty enough, you'll drink about anything. You'll actually, you'll actually hallucinate, you'll create a mirage in your mind, and you'll start trying to take in anything and everything under the sun for hydration. In his book, Sahara Unveiled, William Langerwish tells a story of a young Algerian man by the name of Laglag and his companion, and they were traveling across a desert in the truck, and they got about halfway across the desert, and the truck broke down. They were stranded in the desert, no water. They could have gotten some food. They could have gathered some, some bugs or whatever, a cacti, and they could have done a little bit of that, but they chose not to eat because they thought the eating would only exasperate or amplify their thirst, which they were right. About two weeks into this true story, they, they crawled up under the truck to, to block the blazing sun that was burning down on them day in and day out. And while going into the third week of this, they punctured a hole in the radiator of the truck and they started drinking the water from the radiator. Pretty much poison. And as I look out at our world around us, people around me, people around you, people are doing the very same thing today. Maybe not as extreme, but they're trying to to consume, they're trying to find this refreshment, this cleansing, this freedom that comes from Jesus and they're trying to find it in all the wrong places. And we as the church, we have this living water that God has challenged us to share with others. It's a little dated now, but there was a great movie I uh, can't believe it was this long ago. Yeah, 1995. The movie was called American President. And I don't know if you saw it, but if you, yeah, if you saw it, you know it was a great movie. There was a scene in this movie, to this day, I still think it was the most powerful, potent scene in the movie. They're, they're in the Oval Office, and this scene goes down, and it's all about thirst. Watch this. President doesn't answer to you, Lewis. Oh, yes, he does, AJ. I'm a citizen. This is my president. And in this country, it is not only permissible to question our leaders, it's our responsibility. But you already know that, don't you, Mr. President? Because you have a deeper love of this country than any man I've ever known. And I want to know what it says to you that in the past seven weeks, 59% of Americans have begun to question your patriotism. Look, if people want to listen to... They don't this have a choice! Bob Rumson is the only one doing the talking. People want leadership, Mr. President. In the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. They want leadership. They're so thirsty for it, they'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage, and when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. Lewis, we have had presidents who were beloved, who couldn't find a coherent sentence with two hands and a flashlight. People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. 
They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. And if you just think about the people that you rub shoulders with, people that you work with, the people that live near you, the people that that maybe are engaged in your social life, hopefully they're not all Christians. Yes, I said that. See, I think the problem with Christians is we kind of get in our own little ecclesiastical spiritual ghettos and we don't rub shoulders anymore with people who don't know Jesus. We kind of talk this Christianese, right? And and we're kind of like an inside deal. No, 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 the church is the only organization in the world that exists for the person who is not here yet. And so they're trying to, to find this that we have, the living water known as Jesus. I wanna end today and get as practical as I can. Because here's what I know about you. you. You are good people. You are in church. You could be in so many places or you're watching online. And, and the truth is, like, you want to make a difference. I, I know that about you. I, I believe that. But whenever somebody like me has a message like this, what you're really wondering is how? Like, how, pastor? Because these are tricky days. I know they're tricky days. And you don't know what to say or when to say it or how to say it. And some of you work in places where you can't say it. I I get it. So what I want to do is I want to just get practical. Here's how you can apply this message. It's not going and standing on a street corner with a big black Bible in your hand and yelling at people. I don't think that ever really worked. And it's not while you're out in your yard and your neighbor is out watering his flowers or something. You said, hey, excuse me, uh, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? Just be normal. The problem with Christians, man, is they're just sometimes weird. You know what I'm saying? They're weird. So here's how how you apply this. Brutally practical right now. Take some notes or when it's done on the screen, take a picture. But more importantly than this, when you walk out of here today, we are going to equip you to go saturate your corner of the world with the living water of Jesus. Now, if you can talk with somebody one-on-one and lead them down Romans Road to salvation or lead them to salvation, however you wanna do that, man, that's awesome. Praise God for you. But what I know about most of you is you're not, you're not real comfortable doing that. So let me show you how you do this in the 21st century. Here are some practical tools. Abby already mentioned this, but guys, I just wanna give kudos to our, our creative outreach team. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. Peeps for my peeps? That's awesome. And everybody's telling you don't eat them, don't eat them. But you can maybe give them to somebody and then they might share one with you. But it's got a little message here. Peeps for your peeps. Join us this Easter season. Every single one of you can hand this to a neighbor. Say, we would love to have you on Easter Sunday. 
Friend, this is how easy it is. Say, friend's your neighbor. She really needs Jesus. She's got a Tar Heel shirt on right now. <laughs> friend, we'd love to have you on Easter Sunday morning. Every single person here can do that. Here's another, and, and take a bunch. Here, here's another one. What's the next one? Throw them up there for me. NH Clothing. Man, our folks have designed some amazing clothes. Go to the resource center right out there to the right. It is a very powerful thing to put on a piece of clothing that, that represents your church. Because listen, don't miss this. It's not about growing new hope. It's about getting them to new hope so that they can experience the hope of the gospel in Jesus Christ, receive him, have their sins forgiven, and then put on a trajectory of discipleship where they offer hope to other people. That's how we grow the church. Not for the church, but remember the signs? For the glory and the honor of Jesus. You can, you can wear a shirt and all of our stuff has the website on it. We do that on purpose. Man, I was sitting in a Durham Bulls game one day. I didn't even know the dude was behind me. I had a New Hope clothing and shirt on, and uh, he had already looked at the, the, the website, had already surfed the website, and somewhere towards the end of the game, brought it up and started asking questions about the church and later came to the church. This was several years ago. Everybody can wear a shirt. Testify one at a time. One Matters. We got hats, we got mugs, we got shirts. What's the next one? Oh, my Lord. Easter yard signs. Another great creative thing. Some of you put political signs in your yard. Now, as Clayton said last week, you know, you got to be careful with that. And I'm not telling you not to be involved in that. There's a place for Christians to be involved in those things. But you got to be careful. Why would you go putting a political sign or getting real public with a candidate when Jesus Christ has saved your soul and he's the only hope of the world. He's the only one that can forgive sins. He's the only one that can secure eternity. So put this, put this in your yard. Put three of them in your yard. Heck, if you got a neighbor that gets on your last nerves, one o'clock in the morning, put one in his yard. Man, I, of all the ones I would encourage you to do over the next couple of weeks, this next one, I would encourage you. We, we always have invest and invite cards out in the lobby area. They're usually just the size of a business card, okay? So they're always there. They're in the bathrooms for you. We always have them scattered out. I always carry some in my pocket. And uh, I've been reaching out to people lately, and I tell you, again, this is why I know people are more hungry and thirsty for God than I've ever seen them before. Everybody I'm extending an invite to, at least the last couple of weeks, they've said something like, you know, I was thinking about looking for a church. Or, you know, the last couple of years have been really hard, and so I felt really lonely and hurting and full of pain, and I, I was kind of looking for a family, looking for a community. Now, instead of the business cards for Easter, we, we've made them bigger. These are incredible cards, and our staff, along with some world changers, I'd imagine, I don't know how they did it this week, but they, they put them together in groups of five. So you can, get, you can get solos if you want, so grab one out there, but if you, if you want more than one, get five. They're bundled together for you. And then all you do is you just look for opportunities. You pray that God would open up your eyes, give you eyes of faith. And when the Spirit moves you, again, you will just say, Helen, love to have you at New Hope Church. That's, she said, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's all you do. 
And then one more. We haven't talked about this in a while, but man, I hear people come to church quite often. I'll ask them how they hear about it. And they'll say the signs at the end of the roads or often they'll say these window clings. We, we used to do magnets. We don't do those anymore. You just take, peel this off and center this on your, your back windshield. Websites underneath there where people can read. You pull up to a stop sign. It's a window cling. It's just how you and I can testify in the 21st century, extend invitations for people to join us at New Hope Church. And when they pull into this parking lot, we hear it all the time. This is the phrase I hear all the time. The moment I pulled in the parking lot, I knew I was home. And then they get served by the pathfinders. They get served by our ushers and greeters and our folks in the Starbucks cafe and our folks in NH kids and NH students. They get served by ushers in here. They get served by these awesome technicians and producers that are all over this place. They get served by the people on stage. They get served by whoever's preaching the word of God. And the spirit of God uses all of those things, not just the person teaching. We're in this together. The spirit of God uses all of those things where people respond. They give their lives to Christ or they rededicate their lives to Christ. And we then change the world or at least our corner of it, right? With the living water of Jesus Christ. One story and I'm done. Last summer, um, I, was, I was in my yard. I, I've grown roses for about 20 years now. And so I'm in my yard and I'm, I'm watering my plants just with a, with a regular old hose and a nozzle. And uh, it's, it was probably, it was really hot time of the summer. We hadn't had much rain. So I'm watering my roses and I'm watering some of the, the boxwoods and the plants and all of that. And I, I just moved into this house. I hadn't been here long at all. Um, and I didn't know, but as I'm watering it, I'm kind of bored to death. Have you done this? It's just so boring. You got to water a plant. And when you feel like that water, that plant's had, it's very subjective. If you feel like, you know, he or she is drunk enough, <laughs> you moved on, you move on to the next one. And I'm doing this deal. And then I really, again, I hadn't lived in this house long. I realized about halfway through this boring experience, I realized that the previous owner had put soaker hoses underneath the mulch. You know about these? You know what a soaker hose is. And, and, and had it wrapped around every rose bush and every plant with little pinholes, about 12 to 20 pinholes around every plant. The soaker hose was on a timer that turned on every single day and watered everything. To which I said, hallelujah. But then I got to thinking, that's really my prayer for our church these days. Like my hope and prayer, can you catch a vision of this? My hope and prayer is that as you get up today, you won't just walk to your car and leave. You see a sign by the exit every Sunday. You know what it says? You're entering God's mission field. America is now the mission field. My prayer is that you will walk out of here today and you will grab, some, last celebration, people were walking out with one of everything, go for it. I mean, you should be, somebody said, y'all should have provided bags. Good point, we'll think about that next time. Because they were walking to their car, they got a yard sign or two, they got clings, they got clothes. That you will walk out of here today 
and you will catch a vision with me that we can actually saturate Central North Carolina with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can saturate this barren land where people are trying everything and anything, we can offer them the living water that changes the world, forgives sins, redeems lives, and the movement of hope will continue to the glory and the honor of Jesus. If you receive it, let me hear you say, come on, amen, church, amen. Let's saturate this area.